the New York media has gotten soft, including you, Paul. I don't need any kind of crap from you. Take a lap defense. Take a lap special teams. Who cares? No. It doesn't matter. It sure does. It doesn't. Paul, do you know what drip is? Do we have to explain? No, I'm going to let you wear the clown makeup. Removing goalposts. How stupid is that? No drunkenness. He answers the question fine. We move on. Shoot your shot. Yeah. Shoot him, shoot. The kicker. You hear how he says the kicker. Like he's a subset from the team. Do I send you journalism lessons on Twitter? We got a lot of angry people on this podcast. Yeah. Welcome back to a Happy New Year edition of Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Not so happy for the New York Giants, but we are happy to talk with Super Bowl champion Chris Canty later in the show. You're going to want to stick around for that because the Canty man tells it like it is. Let's welcome in our host of Blue Rush. That would be a two-time Super Bowl champion kicker, his old teammate, the Scotsman. Cue the bagpipes. It's Lawrence Tynes and his co-host. No flights to Chicago, folks. We stand in Queens. We stay in Long Island. It's long time. Giants be rider for the post. Paul Schwartz. Lawrence, before we kick it off to you, let's kick it off to Joe Judge. And as Paul said before we started, his greatest hits of uh, one of the most bizarre post-game press conferences we've ever seen from him. Andrew, we'll queue up first. The Giants are apparently are going in the right direction. When we talk internally, you look at a lot of things moving in the right direction, and you know the targets of what you have to improve going forward. The important thing is when you know the direct targets of what you have to improve, and no, I'm not going to go individually into these today. All right, but when you know the direct targets of exactly what you've got to hit, all right, and you look at what you've got to make in the short term to go ahead and make a quick turnaround to build on the things that you've done well, right? I say it all the time. There's things we've done well we got to build on, right? So when we look at overall what we're doing, there's a number of things going in the right direction that we know they're foundational things, the things you have put in place for the team to have success on and off the field. Lawrence, are there a number of things going in the right <laughs> direction? Do you agree with those direct targets? I mean, it sounds like he's talking like a, like a, a fleet of fighter pilots and targets. Like what, what is he talking about? These tar- What are these targets? They sounds like he's like getting ready to do a sortie over Baghdad. Listen, this is a little bit of desperation and I feel a little bit sorry for him. I, it's almost like it's so desperate that he's just, saying whatever he thinks he can say to save his, you know, you know what? This has reached laughable levels, guys. I mean, I instead of getting mad today at the game, first play, I laughed. The next play when he threw a pick, I laughed. It's really bad. And, and listen, at the end of the day, this is a win-loss business. You have to continue to see teams trending in one direction or the other. This team is obviously trending in the wrong direction. And this all falls squarely on Joe, Joe Judge. So whatever the hell the targets are, I don't know, but we're not seeing them as fans. Well, Lawrence, you know, after this game, you know, Joe Judge was asked his last question, you know, was a very uh, fair question. You know, how do the fans, when they see the way this team has been playing, why should they have faith in you that you can turn this around? And he then, Joe Jen then spoke for 11 minutes, okay? 11 minutes and 15 seconds, I believe. You know, I thought he made some good points in it, but you're right when we spoke earlier that he was talking to the media and the question was about why the fan should have faith in him. But I feel like this is something that can be printed out and handed to John Mara and Steve Tisch. Why do I deserve to come back? This is my manifesto on why I deserve to come back. I don't agree. I agree with some of it. I don't agree with a lot of it, but it was like almost like a Hail Mary. Paul, when he answers these questions... And says, I'm not going to speak on it, but I see the foundational, the foundational pieces, the tar. 
He has to start giving concrete answers. Well, he did. So you, he did today in his mind. What, I mean, he can't say, "Well, you know, we're winning more games," or, "Or, you know, our, our, our um, you know, our punt coverage." But he, he's talking about, you know, we have some clips of this, right? Basically, what Joe Judge is saying is, "You don't realize the mess that I inherited. I inherited an incredible mess. You don't realize how bad it was." And at the very least right now, I'm changing the attitude in the culture in the building because the attitude in the culture of the building that I inherited, coached by Pat Shermer, without mentioning Pat Shermer, was atrocious. Let's play the quote, and then, Lawrence, you react to it, the, the shot at Pat Shermer that you felt you took. Uh, cue it up, Andrew. A few years ago before I came here, when I came here, I sat down with all the players, and I want to know what it was like in here, what we had to change. I want to hear from their mouths, all right? To a man, every player looked me in the eye and said, Joe, it's not a team. They don't play hard. We're out of playoffs. Everybody quit. Everybody tapped. They stopped showing up to the captain's meetings, all that stuff, right? They tapped out. Okay. You see what he's doing there? And 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 God bless uh, Dan Reeves and his family. May he rest in peace. But he had a really cool quote, right? When you point your finger at somebody, there's three fingers pointing back at you. Okay. And that's exactly what this is. This is on you, Joe Judge. Don't point the finger at Pat Shermer. Don't point the finger at McAdoo. This is your mess because when you inherit a job that pays you this type of money at the New York football giants, one of the greatest franchises in the NFL, it's your job. You clean it up. That's why they brought you in here. He's making excuses without saying he's making excuses. He's saying, I'm not making excuses, but he is indirectly. He is because he's trying to blame a previous regime for this mess. When you had a, a, a five and three finish last year, everyone's expecting things to go up. You, you obviously had some draft picks. You had your quarterback coming back. You had a lot of things in place for this to be a better season. Granted, they've played a very, very difficult schedule this season, but the games that they've played since Daniel Jones has been out have been absolutely embarrassing, and that's the only word I know how to use. It, it's not even at a high school level of football. I mean, today, Paul, I heard him say, why did you guys run so much? Well, I saw the weather report, and on Wednesday it said 40-mile-per-hour winds. Well, guess what? It wasn't 40-mile-per-hour well, no, winds no, no. He all, Then he said you can't base it only on that because the weather can change. He said he also based it on the fact that their receivers were hurt. And this, this was a line I really liked. I thought this was actually a funny line that he said. He was asked, well, if you wanted to run so much, is it obviously because you have no faith in your passing game, right, or Mike Lennon? And he said – just because you choose to run the ball doesn't mean you have an absence of faith in other aspects of it. Well, actually, you have a complete absence of faith in Mike Lennon and the way you can throw the ball. And look, they chose Mike Lennon on this roster, right? You know, Mike Lennon. They, they did. You know, they chose him. It wasn't like they said, look, you practice in East Rutherford, the uniform color is blue, and you have to have Mike Lennon as your backup quarterback. They chose this guy. He's clearly not an NFL quarterback right now. The strange thing was he has been a marginally functional quarterback in the league. He is not now. And that was I me. Mean, that was so Oh, in August, I would have taken Mike Glennon over Cole McCoy in August. When you, when they said, okay, who do you want? Mike Glennon, right? Just Bigger, stronger, can throw the ball and further. And they have completely, and it's a little bit of what they've done to Daniel Jones. I mean, they have completely wrecked this guy. He looks... So out of it. Like he doesn't even know what to do. The first play today, that's on him. I kind of blurted out it was protection. Sean O'Hara, my great teammate, corrected me. It, he should have got rid of the ball. You say you're going into the game to run. And you go empty. The first, first play of the game, empty, and you're saying 
our quarterback has to make a hot read right away and get the ball out of his hands. Why don't you just turn around and hand the ball to Saquon Barkley? And if he gets no yards or one yard, at least you haven't given up the ball. That was speaking of, I loved, you know, I've been very critical of him. Love the way he ran today. A hundred yard day. I, I think as small as this may seem to anyone, but being a pro football player, that's going to do wonders for him mentally because the Bears have a pretty good defense. And I thought the offensive line competed to some extent with a bunch of injuries out. But I want to give kudos to Saquon Barkley for running the way he did today. He ran hard. When the Bears knew he was running the ball, right? This Absolutely. Wasn't any, it was, there was no play fake or anything like that. He'll, he'll, he'll sleep well tonight and yeah. feel good about himself, and I'm glad because we've all saw how down he was. I've obviously been very critical of him, uh, and I was happy to see him play well, and hopefully he can stack one more together next Sunday. But overall, this is just an embarrassing product, and it's really hard to watch. Don't tell that to Joe Judge. Andrew, let's queue up. You know, this is the Joe Judge presser uh, opening segment here because he gave us so much content. Thank God from that awful game. But this isn't the Ringley Barnum Bailey Circus, he said, right? This ain't a team that's having fistfights on the sidelines. This ain't some clown show organization or something else, okay? You talk about the foundation built. Some of the things, the toughest thing to change in a team, the toughest thing to change in a club is the way people think. You understand that? That's the toughest thing. You can get new players. You can have your damn locker room all you want. You got to change how people think. And you got to change how they, how they believe in what you're doing. And they got to trust the process. And that's a lot easier said than done when they're looking up right now and you got one game left and the most games you're going to win is five this season. I mean, what, 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 that didn't make any sense. Trust the process. What is it, the Sixers rebuild now? The way he's, you he's think. He, he does protect was, his it was, players. It was desperate. It was desperate. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I, I think that's very noble of him to protect his players in some regards. He always does. He always does. He, he does. And I think the locker room can really, really appreciate that because it would be very easy to say, hey, look, Mike Lennon just wasn't good enough, hasn't been good enough for us. And that's not going to go well for Mike and obviously the rest of his career if he ever does get another chance. But the whole changing the way you think, and you have to do that by putting a product on the field that they have trust in you that you can put them in the right position to help them win football games. And I don't see that. I don't see the Giants offensive football team playing that way. They, they don't, they're not confident in anything that they're doing as a team. And they don't feel like this staff can help them win games. So it's really hard defensively. Absolutely. They were put in some really bad situations today, very early in the game, quick 14 points, but overall they hung in there, but the offense just doesn't believe it's, it's, it's easy to see as a former player that they don't know what the hell they're doing, to be quite honest. They just don't know what their identity is. Now, you mentioned about not knowing what they're doing. Of, of, of all the football atrocities that happened, I'm sure this one was near and dear to your, you know, Scottish kicking heart. When, um, you know, Farrell Cooper is a pretty good player. He's a pretty good return man. Um, can you explain, first of all, you kick the ball off, right? It drops at the two-yard line. He thinks it's going in the end zone. He gives waves his hands a signal for a touchback what's what as a return man what are you trained to do what are you trained to see and clearly what did he not do well he's supposed to watch that ball all the way down to the ground and you know there was some back and forth on twitter this is a 100,000 percent player error this is not a coaching error t-mac is coaches quinn this is basic football guys and for him to make that mistake it really put him in a really really bad spot offensively because they got the safety but Farrell Cooper is a better player than that. He needs to be smarter. But when you're on a bad team, these are the kinds of things that happen. They compound. Everything is bad. And it just compounds one thing after another. And that was just one. That was basically summarized this season for the Giants. I mean, to see that ball go over your head. Plus, it's Chicago Stadium. You have to know where you're playing. Soldier Field. It's windy as hell. 
there wasn't many touchbacks at all. I don't think that way. I think all the touchbacks were the other way. He should know that. Being a Pro Bowl returner, that's that's definitely on Farrell Cooper. And, you know, it's just one of many mistakes this team keeps making every Sunday. And you talk about, right, what, what a bad team does. Look, it's a, right, as you said, this is, he wasn't coached not to watch the ball. He's coached to watch the ball. He screwed up. A pretty good return man screwed up. But there's nothing in, in any kind of football decree that says when you get backed up at their own five-yard line, you have to lose yards and lose yards and then get a safety, right? You can get a first down and maybe, you know, give Riley Dixon a few yards to punt the ball. So you mentioned the defense before, and, you know, God bless them. This is not a great defense, but this is not a bad defense. And they play cohesive, and they play pretty smart, and they play pretty hard. They gave up 249 yards total. Okay. That's it. That's it. You know, they gave up. Yeah. I mean, they get the, they get the ball to 22, 23 yard line, the bears. You like them to see them hold them to a field goal instead of giving up a touchdown. They're not great, but I give credit to them. You talk about the culture. There is a culture on that defense. Absolutely. that doesn't bad mouth their offensive teammates. They don't. They're just I better mean, coach, Paul. They're just better coached on that side of the football. Yes, Schematically, they just, they have a plan. They have an identity. They know who they are. They give up yards. They try not to let you score in the red zone, kick field goals. They have a plan. The offense does not. And everyone tries. I've heard a lot of, well, the Bengals were 4-11-1 last year, you know, and look what they're doing this year. I said, well, unless Joey Burrow's walking into the Meadowlands or MetLife next year, that's not going to happen. I do think that, obviously, the quarterback not being there has hurt this team tremendously. But, again, when you're out there with Sills, and God bless, I don't even know number 80's name, whoever the hell, and then Galladay, Ingram Bachman, has one Alex catch. Bachman, Bachman sorry, yeah. Alex. But, yeah, it, it's just bad. And, you know, they just don't have enough talent on that side of the football. And to some extent, it's not really Mike Glennon's fault. He didn't choose to be here. They picked him and they haven't coached him up. And he sucks. I mean, it's it's bad. What was that stat? It was negative 10, negative 11 net passing worst, yards? Worst passing game in the NFL since 2009. Yeah, they had 24 passing yards. It's just um, still last 14 in and sacks. because of the sacks and things, that gets negative. So the the, uh, the 11 passes that they attempted – is the fewest for the Giants since 1992. You know, this team can't throw it. There's wind, and they get obliterated. It, the season has to end, and they have to start making changes because the atmosphere at MetLife is going to be terrible next week. Gut, gut feeling, you you think Judge is coming back. Two weeks ago, I did. Right. It's what I tweeted out. I mean, losses like this can change people's minds. I, I think it can. Yeah, I, I I think it can. I mean, one of the key questions is how much is ownership going to look at Daniel Jones being out and the fact that they don't have a professional quarterback, and then they say, well, we can't count a lot of this. The defense is playing hard, blah, 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 things like that. You know, I, I don't know. But, you know, people who said, well, uh, the reports a couple of weeks ago, you know, that Joe Judge, he's not definitely coming back. There were reports that the Giants are going to bring, promote Kevin Abrams after Dave Gettleman gets fired. That is not correct. He will be a candidate. My guess is Kevin Abrams will not be hired as the general manager. It is not going to be the same old, same old. You know, I, I don't think there's any assurances with Joe Judge right now. I really don't. I really don't. Well, that's good news. I'm curious. You know, the, the atmosphere today in MetLife was incredible. I was at Jets Bucks and it was it was raucous. A lot of Tampa fans, but they're either going to be fire Judge or it's going to be like no more Judge. Some kind of combination of those two. I want to play one more before we get to Chris Candy because this one probably was my favorite, where Joe Judge ranted about players calling him and saying they wishing they were still here. Andrew, let's cue up that one because that was maybe my favorite. But in terms of the next step to take, I can tell you right now, okay, I know we're a whole lot closer to where we're going than we are further away. I can tell you that right now. I can tell you we got more players here who are going to be free agents next year 
all right, who are in my office every day begging to come back. I know that. Okay, I know that. The players that we coached last year that still call me twice a week talking about, you know, how much they wish they were still here and they're getting paid more somewhere else. Full transparency, guys. I've been calling Joe. I really want to play again. I can't wait to go play for this Giants football team. Come on. Alex Can in the office. you kick off and mesmerize the opposing kick returner to not, see, to not see the ball? I would kick off and just get my laser pointer out and just start shooting it at his eyeballs. Man, this is, again, kind of like the grasping at the straws. Has he had conversations with former players? Absolutely they have. I'm sure Joe Judge is a great guy. He, he seems like a great guy. I'm sure players like him. But at the end of the day, you got to win, man. I'm sorry. You have to win football. And, and he's not doing that. So this whole players call me twice a week, and then I, I guess there was this, maybe a piece where someone left for less money or, or more money or something. Only one of them got more money or – Come on, man. Who was that? Dalvin Tomlinson? Is that the guy? Because that's the only one that really left. Did Colt McCoy get more money? Yeah, there are players call him up and say, we wish we were still there with the Giants. And those are players who got more money to go elsewhere. Yeah, they're Um, all on defense, too. No offensive players are calling him. Unless they miss New York in the winter and uh, some So Golden Tate Tate called him. Golden Tate called him back. Maybe his wife tweeted DM Joe Judge. I, th- I think on. it was I think it was Mike Glennon after the game saying, I'm, I'm Joe, I threw for 24 yards. Would love to come back. Would love to be back in the NFL for any <laughs> team. Um, so would love to be here. You know, I did buy my home thinking I'd be here for a mm-hmm. while. Didn't I beat rent, out Russell so Wilson. If you want to give me a job, I've already robbed 50, 60 million of the NFL with that long neck uh, picture. 31 that million. Posted. 31? He had 18 in Amer- one season. With uh, America's a beautiful place. Yeah, it really is. My goodness. 31 million. A guy who made... Probably thirty-one million, maybe more. Is Chris Canty, who's on ESPN Radio, and he's going to join Blue Rush next. This is Chris Canty, New York Giants Super Bowl defensive lineman, and you're listening to Blue Rush. Joining us now on Blue Rush is now a friend of the program, making his second appearance on the pod. It's another former teammate of our own, Lawrence Tynes. He's a Giants Super Bowl forty-six champion defensive lineman. A game that he started against Brady and the Pats. He played four seasons for Big Blue from two thousand nine through two thousand twelve and 11 seasons in the NFL. He's now a star on ESPN Radio nationally, hosting alongside Mike Golick Jr. from 3 to 7 p.m. Let's welcome back to Blue Rush. The BX is in the building. The pride of the Bronx and Charlotte. Virginia alum. Another Virginia alum. What are the, the Cavaliers are running Blue Rush after Tiki Barber. It's number 99, the Canty Man. Chris Canty, welcome to the show. How are you? Happy New Year. Uh, I, I'm doing good, Jake. I appreciate you guys having me on the show. Happy New Year to everybody that's on the pod. Happy New Year to all the people that are listening in the audience. Thank you guys for having me. Do you cover your eyes watching Giants games? Do you you know mute that TV? Do you change the channel? Uh, your overall thoughts on this debacle of a franchise right now? Oh, no, Jake. I got to watch it. You know why I watch it? Because I'm hoping that it gets bad enough where ownership will be forced to make some tough choices. Because it's obvious to everybody, whether you're a media member, whether you're a part of the fan base, whether you're a former player, everybody realizes that the Giants need to make sweeping changes in order to get to the place where they're consistently competitive. Because right now, it's not a product on the field that anybody can be proud of. It's not. Hey, Chris, thanks for coming on. Obviously, there's a lot of people have said Joe Judge is coming back. You completely disagree with that. Obviously, I follow you on Twitter. After today, I mean, I don't know what else you can say to bring them back. I mean, there's just no ground to stand on. Well, Tynesy, here's the thing. I'm not necessarily the person that's out there saying that, oh, Joe Judge should be coming back or he should be a part of the Giants' future in 2022. I'm just reading the tea leaves 
And based on everything that we've heard from ownership, people that are in the front office, it seems like their inclination is to bring him back. And if for no other reason, to avoid the appearance of seeming like they're dysfunctional and being in a cycle of hiring and firing coaches every two years. So I think that aspect of it is what's pushing John Mara and, and Steve Tisch toward bringing Joe Judge back. But the thing that I would counter that with is you're already dysfunctional. Since 2017, you are tied with the New York Jets for the worst record in the National Football League. So go ahead and rip the Band-Aid off, bring in a fresh set of eyes, both in the front office and in the head coach's office, in order to get the problems fixed so this team can get back on the winning track. Because right now, it's clear that the people that are in the building have no clue as to how to fix it. Do you see a team that's just terrible or a team that's quit or a team that doesn't care? What do you see from your very trained eyes, what's going on out there? Well, it's a lack of execution. I mean, if you want to talk about the first play of the game this week that ended up being a sack fumble, or you want to talk about the first play of the game uh, last week where it ends up being poor blocking on the wide receiver screen. I mean, you can point to all of these different things, but when it comes down to it, it's the lack of execution on the field, the miscues, poor and situational football. You look at it today in sudden change, the Giants defense wasn't up for the task, allowing 17 points when you factor in the safety as well as the two early turnovers. One of 11 on third down. I mean, all of the multiple sacks. I mean, if you talk about all the different aspects that help a team figure out a way to be competitive and ultimately lead to a team winning, the Giants are poor in all of them. And we can't just blame it on the personnel. We can't just blame it on Dave Gettleman. I mean, a part of this has to be Joe Judge. People saying, okay, Daniel Jones is injured. He's out for the rest of the year. You're on your backup quarterback in Mike Glennon. I remember the same Giants team last year, week 13, going up to Seattle with the backup quarterback in Colt McCoy and no Saquon Barkley and finding a way to beat a 12-win team that ended up hosting a playoff game. That's the problem that I have with some of the things that I'm seeing with the New York Giants. It's the lack of overall execution, the attention to detail, and that speaks directly to the coach. Now, I don't want to speculate as to the effort with the players, but it certainly doesn't look like they're playing inspired football. The most inspiration that we're seeing or hearing from the Giants is in the post-game press conferences from Joe Judge and his rants, the one that he had today, going on and on for 11 minutes trying to explain himself. And, and Paul, I put it to you this way. I was watching the Man in the Arena documentary from Tom Brady, and he said, if you're getting to the point where you're constantly explaining yourself, you're on the losing side. I think Joe Judge needs to take a page out of that and realize exactly where this franchise is because he keeps going on these rants. And it just makes him seem more and more tone deaf as to the state of Giants football. It's almost like he's talking to ownership through the media and through his press conferences. I mean, if there's ever a play that, that signifies this season, that kickoff today with Farrell Cooper, when he does the arms up touchback, that, sign- that, that was basically their season in a nutshell. Like the most basic routine play where you have to maybe catch the ball, see it in, see it down. He just completely turns his head and they get tackled inside the three. It ends up in a safety and then a field goal. I mean, this team is so dysfunctional. Chris, do you see anyone on the defensive side, which is obviously the best side of their football team, that you like? Yeah, I think you have some 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 core guys on that side of the ball. Obviously, Leonard Williams is a foundational piece, and I like what I've seen from Xavier McKinney and Aziz Ojolari. So those are three young, relatively young players that you can feel good about in terms of building around. I mean, but they need more playmakers on all three levels of that unit. They could stand to upgrade on the edge pass rush. You need to have more depth in that particular area because we know how important the passing game is in today's NFL. 
So that's something that they've got to improve. They've also got to improve their depth at the cornerback position. And that's not something that I thought I would be saying after they made the Adoree Jackson signing. But with him being unavailable, being out, missing time, you realize that that's an area that they need to improve on as well. So there are some pieces that are in place, but the Giants need to add a whole lot more in the way of talent and playmaking, both sides of the ball, but especially on the defensive side of the ball, because I feel like they're a little bit closer on that side. And that can be their identity moving forward in the short term. You know, you played on some teams that had some really good offenses, but, you know, not every game, not every season were you blessed with that. You know, these guys on defense, James Bradbury came up there today after the game, and he was, you know, the the, the theme was how do you keep going out there? How do you keep doing this? Do you feel it's hopeless because your team can't score? You know, when you're getting put in bad situations. And he kind of said, look, no matter what mess they put us in, we got to get out of it. We got to stop them from scoring. But as a defensive player, first of all, that's easier said than done, right? There has to be frustration with these guys when their team can't get in the end zone. And number two, do you think maybe some of these defensive guys should stand up and say, look, we play hard and competitive, and those guys on the other side of the ball are not doing their job, maybe kind of put some internal pressure on this team? Well, I think the pressure comes with, you know, the conversations that they have in the locker room in the week of preparation. But if you let Joe Judge tell it, they're having great weeks of practices and he doesn't understand why it's not carrying over to the field. So, I mean, here's what I will say to that. I I think that from an effort standpoint, you play the game, you compete every single game, no matter who your quarterback is, no matter what the circumstances are. Because we realize it's a finite period of time you have to be a professional athlete. And we know when it comes to the major professional sports leagues in North America, the NFL has the shortest career span. So as a player, there is no excuse, whether Mike Glenn is the quarterback, Jake from State Farm or, or Daniel Jones. It doesn't matter. Like you got to go out there and you got to play as hard as you possibly can. You compete every single down in the hopes of trying to give your team a chance to be successful. That's what it is. So there aren't any excuses as far as the team not mentally being prepared or not potentially feeling like they have an opportunity to win being the excuse as to why their effort isn't there. I don't buy that. That's never been something I subscribe to. As far as accountability, that's clearly something that the Giants could use a lot more of. And I'm not just going to say it's the defensive side of the ball, the offensive side of the ball, or special teams. I think it's collectively they need to have a lot more of that so they can get the results they're looking for. Sweatpants, not khakis, Jake from Blue Rush here uh, in the <laughs> building with Chris Canny. Follow him on Twitter at Chris Canny. 99. Chris, you were a Super Bowl champion for this team about a decade ago, and it feels like a lifetime ago at this point when we look at this franchise. You know, Lawrence is frustrated. He gets paid to watch them. You get paid to watch them and the rest of the league. Are you frustrated? Are your hairs and your beard getting gray watching this team? Because, you know, they aren't even competing. This is unwatchable football. And as a guy who won a title here, it's got to be infuriating at times that it's gotten this low. Yeah, it's frustrating. I mean, times he'll tell you, we both got blood in the ground there at MetLife Stadium, so it doesn't feel good when you see the team getting their teeth kicked in every single Sunday. I mean, you're talking about the Giants being one and six through their last seven and going in the wrong direction. So I I just, it's frustrating because the standard that was set when we were there uh, was so much higher. The expectations were so much different. And so I do every single Sunday feel you know, feel emotional, get a little disheartened by the product that they're putting out there. But at the same time, I realize that in order for things to change, something has to change in terms of the hierarchy in the organization. And until that happens, we're going to be in line for more of the same. You're talking about five consecutive double-digit loss seasons and what, seven of the last eight being double-digit loss seasons. 
we can't keep expecting the people that are in power making decisions for them to all of a sudden figure a way to get it right because they've proven that they haven't and they've had enough time to get it fixed. You know, Chris, the concerning thing now is as a former player, I mean, there's a kid, Scott Simonson today, he comes out with a tweet. I don't know if you guys saw it. Scouts are chirping. Pat Halen got involved this week. I mean, this entire why, why, thing. Pat? Why, why, Pat? Why, as much as we love, as much as we love Pat, where's the win in that? Why, why are you doing that, Pat? Pat loves a good controversy, right? He, he Pat has never been one to hold his tongue, but it just looks bad, right? Just ignore it. The Scott Simonson kid, people probably didn't even know he played for the Giants. I had to look him up. And he's <laughs> talking about Gettleman, how bad of a person he is. That typically happens when they don't re-sign you. Everyone wants to talk smack on the GM because they didn't bring you back. What do you make? I mean, to your point, it, this thing has gotten so far off the rails that sweeping changes are inevitable. If he wants to bring this fan base back, uh, they're going to have to literally clean house. And I mean scouting, general manager, coach. This whole thing needs kind of a complete reboot, in my opinion. No, I'm with you, Tanji. But if you start to put together, you know, some of the pieces and you, you know, try to, you know, listen to what's being said out there, it seems like all signs are pointing toward Joe Judge coming back in 2022 and them asking Dave Gettleman to step down and elevating Kevin Abrams as their general manager. Like, that's what it feels like it's moving toward. I don't want that to be the case. And I know that there are financial implications when it comes to the head coach's contract and knowing what the Giants just came out of a season before with COVID and not having fans in the stands and how that affected the operation economically. But at the same time, you got to make the best decisions for the franchise moving forward. And I think that comes down to putting the right people in place, people that know what the hell they're looking at, people that know what the hell they're doing. And it doesn't feel like there's any tangible evidence that we can point to that this current regime can stand on that would say that they can get things figured out. So that's that's what I come back to. I mean, you, you know, if you keep asking yourself whether or not these people can do the job, eventually you're going to land on the answer being no. Chris, you mentioned about, you know, guys, you know, you don't know if they know what the hell they're doing or not. You know, you played with the Giants when a lot of people knew what the hell they were doing. And, you know, a guy was at MetLife Stadium today, Tom Brady, three more touchdowns, 400 yards, another fourth quarter comeback. When you think of your legacy as a football player and you know that you gave him one of those L's in the Super Bowl, I mean, and he's going to the Canton, he's going to be, you know, he's the greatest ever. How much satisfaction do you get that you were on a defense and on a team that, limited him, held him down, and won a game that he was desperate to win. You know, he hates losing. That, that That's part of your legacy. You beat Tom Brady. I mean, it, it certainly makes the ring shine a little bit brighter. I mean, Tynesy will tell you, like, it definitely feels good to be able to beat the goat. I had the, the privilege of being able to do it once. Tynesy did it twice. So it, it definitely is one of those special things. But just watching him being able to play at a high level at this late stage in his career, I mean, we were talking about Tom Brady being in the MVP conversation when the calendar turned to December, that's how good this guy has been this season. And we're talking about him being in what year 21. Like it's, it's really unbelievable what he's been able to accomplish. And then being able to win the ring last year away from Bill Belichick in his first year in Tampa, I think he's kind of solidified his status as the greatest quarterback of all time. And I think he's an example of what it means to change the culture in the building. We have this conversation about the giants and Joe judge keeps bringing up the fact that the culture is changing, the way people think is changing. Well, that was clear what happened with the Tampa Bay Bucks from the 2019 season to what we saw in the 2020 season, going from a team that won, was 7-9 and nine, to a team that was holding up the Lombardi at the end of the year. I think that's, 
that's one of those situations where you can see a clear difference in a change agent throughout an organization. And so that's probably the most impressive thing about Tom Brady and watching the man in arena podcast and watching him go to work the last couple of years in Tampa, just his ability to change the way that other players and other people throughout the organization think like today in MetLife stadium, he gets the ball down four minutes. I mean, down four points with two minutes left, having to drive the length of the field. Was there any doubt in anybody's mind how that game was going to end? That's all you need to know about Tom Brady. That's it. Chris, you mentioned draft capital. Are you on board with the Giants going out this offseason and entertaining the idea of maybe a Russell Wilson or some veteran quarterback that becomes available? Do you think that makes them better, or, or do you keep the draft capital and build from the draft? Well, if you can get Russell Wilson, then you go after Russell Wilson. I don't think that's a question. I mean, Spoken like I a think, guy who had to chase quarterbacks like that, right? Well, exactly. I mean, actually, it makes me think what the hell Tom O'Brien was wondering or thinking about the fact that he ran Russell Wilson away from NC State to have Mike Glennon as his starting quarterback. It really is unbelievable when you think about it. If you can get Russell Wilson, you go after Russell Wilson. My only question to that would be, why would Russell Wilson want to come play for the New York Giants? Why would you trust this franchise with the prime of your career? It just doesn't make sense. I mean, this is a guy that's obsessed with being able to build on his legacy and being considered one of the greatest quarterbacks of his generation. Usually when you have guys in that conversation, you're talking about them winning multiple championships. I don't know that the Giants are a place where that's going to happen in the short term, even if they do have Russell Wilson. So so having said that, where do you stand on Daniel Jones? Well, I think you have to, you have, to have Daniel Jones in the mix at the quarterback position going into 2022. I don't think you, ex- you extend him the uh, fifth-year option. I don't think you make that decision. You give him an opportunity to compete with another veteran option at quarterback, and you see where that lands. But again, when we were talking about the head coach, we were talking about the general manager. I'm of the opinion with Daniel Jones, you know, he's got to prove it to you. And if you have to keep asking that question about whether or not you got a franchise quarterback, you probably don't. So that's where I'm at with Daniel Jones. As much as I root for him, he went to my high school. He was coached by my guy, Larry McNulty. I, I want him to succeed. But at the same time, for a guy that's had the kind of ups and downs that he's had throughout the course of his first three years, has shown the inability to be able to stay healthy, I have a hard time with the franchise hitching their wagon to him long term. I give him an opportunity in 2022 to see if he can prove it then, but I'm also keeping one eye toward the future at the quarterback and the potential options that will be available to me in the offseason. Are you good on Joe Judge press conferences for the year? You talked about it earlier, but uh, right there, right there, right there, we, we have it. We have a foundation right there. Yeah, he keeps talking about this foundation and we can't see it, but he sees it. I, I just don't understand that aspect of it. Bill Parcells used to always tell us you are what your record says, you period. And right now the Giants are, are a bad football team. They're a bad football team. So I don't think there's any way around it. There's no way to escape it. They're 4-12, and 12, and it doesn't seem like they're moving in the right direction. Last year, the second half of that season, the Giants went 5-3 and three, three in their final eight. And we said, wow, they're on the right track after having a horrific start. Now it seems like the season is flipped. It's in reverse, and they're going in the wrong direction. But yet Joe Judge is telling us that there are things that he can point to that says that this thing is getting fixed. I don't see it. Beyond that, I kind of raised an eyebrow when he says the guys will come in Wednesday ready to work. I I don't know about you guys, but when Tynesy and I were members of the New York Giants, we used to come in every single day to work. There was no off day in the regular season. I mean, you have have to have a a league-mandated day off, but we didn't take a day off. We came in on Mondays to do our film review and our workouts and walkthroughs. 
on Tuesdays. We all went in there voluntarily to get our lifts in. Times he'll tell you. We had the country music, the Dave Tollison playlist playing in the weight room while we were all working out. Like, that's what we did. We came to work every single day. There was no off day. So this this business of being 4 and 12 and showing up on Wednesday ready to work, what the hell world are you guys living in? No wonder your team is a double-digit loss team. That, that to me is just, I couldn't believe he actually came out there and said it. But that's a symptom of a bigger problem with the New York Giants. He says that he likes the way that this team is starting to shift in the way that they think. Well, clearly the mentality isn't what it's supposed to be if guys aren't showing up to a Wednesday in the work week. I've covered a lot of coaches, and almost all of them are undefeated on Wednesdays. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Everybody wants to win. It's the NFL, but it's the team that's willing to pay the price that it costs in order to be able to win that's going to ultimately put themselves in the best position game in, game out. That's what has to be the mentality for your organization. Like, the players have to be hungry to win. I I remember Tom Coughlin. We were in the middle of a four-game losing streak in 2011. And Tom Coughlin stood up in front of us and he says, guys, I am your mirror. All I will do is tell you what I see. And it's up to you guys on what kind of team you're going to be. And it was from that moment where guys decided, you know what? We're going to go all in with this team. We don't know where this season is going to land, but we're going to do everything that we can and see how far we can take. And we ended up being able to get in, making a run and winning the Super Bowl. That was the mentality of that team. But again, you're talking about championship DNA, a core of players that had been there and done that. There is a gap in terms of where that Giants team was and where this Giants team is from a mentality standpoint. And until the Giants organization does more to close that gap in the way of finding leadership, both in the front office, at the head coaching spot, but also in the locker room, we're going to continue to see more of the same. Chris Canty brings the heat. Chris Canty 99 on Twitter and Instagram. And now you're on the national ESPN radio. How are you enjoying uh the National Afternoon Life, sleeping a little bit and enjoy your time with Mike Golick Jr. Oh, yeah, man. I don't miss that 3 a.m. wake-up call. I, I I really don't. So I'm, I'm glad I'm off of that shift. No diss to, to Dave Rothenberg and Rick DiPietro. Those guys do their thing. But I'm glad to be on the platform I'm with with uh, Golick Jr. I will say this. I didn't know what the hell he was thinking at the Duke Mayo's Bowl because these guys, this guy's dipping Oreos in Duke mayonnaise and eating it on air. That's something Horrible that's take by him, yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't understand it. I knew he was going to do something crazy. I thought it was going to be more the variety of dumping mayonnaise on him, not dipping Oreos in mayonnaise. But, I mean, you never know what you're going to get with that guy, but that's a part of the excitement of doing a show with him every single day. That makes it fun. We will not be dipping Oreos in mayonnaise on the Blue Rush podcast, but we did love chatting with you, Chris Canny. Happy New Year. Thanks for coming on the show. And We're only one week away from this miserable season ending, and then we can all enjoy our lives again. Thank God. Thank God. Guys, I appreciate you having me on. Have a good one. The Health Analytics. All right, Lawrence. A happy new year to you and the whole entire Titans family. You want to close out this episode of Blue Raj? I do, Jake. Thank you very much, and happy new year to you and yours as well. That says cheerio to episode 98, the Jesse Armstead edition of Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown, Sarah McCrory, and Andrew Hartz for producing the show. Now, Lawrence, you did see my Antonio Brown video break the internet. What did you think of him leaving the field and getting a driver to drive him to Lord knows where? Rumor has it there was some COVID testing going on in town and he had to go grab a wee test and maybe a fake vaccination card. Get Blue Rush a wee five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. You can also now give us a five-star rating on Spotify. My favorite word, Spotify. For Polly Schwartz, Jake Brown, Sarah McCrory, and Andrew Hartz, I'm the Scotsman, Lawrence Steins. We will return on Thursday to preview 
preview the Giants' final game, thank the Lord, of this miserable 2021 season against the Washington football team. Thanks for listening, folks, and Happy New Year. Spotify. Okay, we'll sign off. That's it. I don't think there's anything else to say.